Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Welcome to episode 32 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today on my podcast, I want to talk to you guys about reading between the lines in what is written in your payment schedules from your builder. So every month when you put your payment claim in, you should be getting your payment schedule or your um, response to your payment claim from your builder. And there's a whole lot of things that you can actually uh, look at and interpret and use from a data perspective to have a look at the conduct of your builder, understand your builder's cash flow, and to uh, keep an eye on the builder in terms of solvency and make sure that there's nothing untoward happening there that you're not on top of. Now, the reason uh, I want to talk about this is because we've been doing a bit of training with our guys in the Subbies Toolbox about payment claims and payment schedules, and it always really shocks people when I tell them what the some of the strategies are inside building companies and some of the directives that are given to contracts administrators for cash flow strategies. And I suppose it comes from a place of the Subbies not realising that it's so purposeful uh, when these things take place. So if I can, I think it's important for you to understand the context, first of all, is that if you've got a builder that's in financial crisis, they are literally trying to stay alive and the strategies that they're employing, they come from a place of um, loyalty, passion, being noble about being in business and saving their business. Um, There's usually a whole bunch of pride attached to it. And so they're caught up in the emotions of their own crisis and they're, you guys are collateral damage effectively. You guys are secondary to that and they're not present in the moment and thinking, what is this doing to subbies when they employ these tactics? What they are doing rather is looking at their family and looking at their staff and thinking, how am I going to save this business so that we don't have to lay all these people off? Uh, We worried about losing our builder's license. All of these things are in play at that time. So when these directions are given within building companies, the employees are always bound by confidentiality agreements in their employment contracts. And the employees would never go and say anything anyway, because it's super embarrassing when this stuff happens and they have to be party to it. And I've been involved in this type of stuff when I was a builder CA. So I've had to live through what this feels like to be a CA that's being given a direction from your boss to do something like this. And then you have to go out and tell white lies to subcontractors about why they're not being paid. So the first one you would have heard me probably talking about before, if you've been following me for a little while, is uh, where a builder will tell all of their staff, look, we need to keep a certain percentage of everyone's progress claims this month. So you need to be able to find 20% of every progress claim. And you'll start to see behavior like this happening in building companies where Um, your payment schedule will come through and you'll be able to work out on average within a few decimal places um, what percentage these CAs are being told to hold. 
So a good example and the first low hanging fruit that Subby's really trying to do it with is the variations. So you'll start to get things, um, payment schedules back where builders will say, I'm not going to approve this variation this month, but we'll talk about it next month when I've been through your day dockets. And they'll just try and kick the can down the road on having you um, take that cash out of their bank account. Now, this may not necessarily be a 100% concrete sign that the builder is going broke. It could just be that the builder's greedy and likes to keep as much cash flow as possible in their bank account every month. And some there are some builders who operate like this all the time. And with I can absolutely, with every degree of certainty, know that if I see a payment schedule from that particular builder, that the payment claim will be cut down 20%. Now, you get to the end of the job and obviously all of the subbies want to be paid everything they've claimed for the life of the job. So there will come a point in this process where you need to push the envelope and make the builder pay you that money. They have to stop kicking the can down the road on not paying everything because there'll be a final claim. But CAs that are really good at doing this will find a way to make you do variations at practical completion and they'll try to confuse when your practical completion reference date is and then you'll get to a point where they'll just string you out until the end of the defects liability period. And oftentimes if there's a year that goes by between when the actual variation took place on site and when you are trying to recover that money, your staff might have moved on. Certainly your day dockets are looking a bit shabby from being in storage or probably kicking around on the bottom of someone's floor in their ute for a year. Um, you need to make sure that you're chasing these things up within 30 days of when they happen. So your best chance of getting these things approved when a payment schedule comes in is actually within the 24 hours after the CA sends you the payment schedule. So from an internal process um, standpoint, a CA has two types of variations that they need to get approved. The first is a head contract variation, and that's where you'll see the little star on the payment schedule that says HCV. And those ones usually sail through because they are made up of your price to do the variation. And all you'll see on your payment schedule is your price to do the variation. They might actually involve a number of trades and then there'll be margin on top of it that will go to the principal. So the builder's always happy to have those variations, just like you are when you're doing a construction contract and you have variations and it means you get extra margin throughout the job. They are actually putting margin on top of your uh, cost and margin as well. So they're pretty happy to have that as a variation. The ones that will not sail through are the ones that have the little star and called IV or an internal variation. Now the thing about an internal variation is that the CA has to actually fess up to their project manager or their construction manager and say, why is there a variation? Uh, you know, is this unlet scope? Was there a mistake? Was there an unforeseen um, circumstance on site that led to this variation taking place? And obviously budgets, uh, when we do tenders, build, when builders do tenders to principals, they have rats and mice here and there, but they certainly don't have money for variations like this. And if it is unlet scope and it's something that the CA has missed when they let the trade and they forgot to put it in your scope of work and now you're getting paid handsomely for it, that is bleeding and hemorrhaging margin right there. So. It's really difficult to get those approved internally and it takes a bit of time as well. So if there are um, IVs that go through and you're asking, you're asking for a variation that essentially constitutes an IV, 
the CA is unlikely to be able to get it approved within the 10 business days or the 15 business days they've got to be able to give you a payment schedule. So oftentimes you'll get a payment schedule with just some silly reason why they're not approving your variation. And it'll be, um, we're not sure what this is. You haven't given us enough supporting information to be reviewed and we'll discuss next month. What the CA is doing is buying themselves some time to go and fess up to their project manager and explain why there is this IV and figure out where they're going to get the money from to pay for it too. Now, uh, turning now to the more, let's say, suspicious little things that you'll see builders doing on your payment schedules. And one of the things we've seen recently a lot of is where the subby is claiming a variation and the builder will actually pay you more for your contract sum. So they'll, they'll certify a larger amount for your progress claim for your contract sum works, but they will just put a note next to your variation that says, um, we'll assess these at the end of the job. We don't think this is a variation. It should be included in your scope, but open for consideration. And what's happening there is the builder is trying to kick the can down the road on paying you the variation. So they're going to re they don't want to reverse certified or say no right now because they want to keep you happy. They also want you to keep doing work on site. And if you're silly enough to keep doing variations that you haven't got approved in writing first, what will happen is the builder will get to the end of the job and they'll say, no, we've been telling you since day one that this was not approved. It's just that we said we were open to talking to you about it, but it was never approved. And they then have a paper trail to show that, you know, maybe for six or eight months you've been told we were never intending to pay this. This was going to be a good bloke payment, if anything. And where you can come unstuck there is if obviously your contract requires you to get your variations approved in writing before you commence them. And if you keep going and doing variations without getting them approved in writing first, then you will find yourself in hot water. You won't be able to actually run the argument that you had complied with the contract or they, they waive their um, right to rely on you complying with the contract because they haven't waived anything. They've told you from day one that you were not going to be paid for those variations. Now, the worst thing about this particular trick is that oftentimes you guys will see the amount that comes through on the remittance advice and you'll marry it up with your payment claim. You go, yep, that matches, nothing to see here, good stuff, they're approving our claims in full. And so this can actually go on for several months before you cotton on that they're not approving your variations, they're saying no, and they're giving you additional contract works. So I've seen it where uh, subbies have actually got to the end of the job and it's their second or third last progress claim. And there's no more contract sum to claim anymore because you, 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 the builder has already certified the whole contract sum because he's paying you in advance of the contract sum to balance out the varies. And then you're going to have to have an all out war all at once over all of the variations. And if you haven't been paying attention, what can happen is you're not going to be armed with all the information you need. You need to be gathering your evidence as you go. So I've said it before, I'll say it again. The very best way to get paid your variations is within a couple of days and please within 24 hours of getting a payment schedule, just open it, check every single line item, make sure they're not paying you on account of contract sum and denying your variations. And if they are, quickly pick up the phone get down there and get it sorted out with the builder because you might be in that window where you can convince the CA to change his payment schedule before it goes into the pay run and the pay run gets closed off. So super important you do that. Now, um, this, this one's a step up in the sinister department. So if you see this happening, 
this is a cause for huge concern. Now, if you ever get a payment schedule where you've claimed a variation and your builder's CA has not approved your variation, but released the exact amount of retention for the value of the variation, something is wrong. Now, I'll tell you a little story. I worked for a builder back in 2015 who was in severe financial crisis and they had CAs from 12 months before, 18 months before, who had caused an absolute dog's breakfast in terms of their job costings. And they were inexperienced. They had too much work. It's a whole big story all on its own. But basically what happened was the contracts administrators were scared that they were going to lose their jobs. They were also scared the builder was going to go broke. So they took matters into their own hands. And when variations came through that they knew there was no money to pay for, what they would do is rather than try to get them through as a variation, which they would have to go and look their construction manager in the eye who was in severe financial crisis, they'd have to look him in the eye and say, I made a mistake. This is going to cost us extra. I can't see any way around it. Can we get this approved? What happened was they just went sneaky into the finance system and they just released the exact amount of retention for the value of the variation. So the subbies were actually just receiving their remittance advices going, yep, nothing to see here. We're getting paid exactly what we're claiming, all good. But it wasn't all good. And it wasn't until a year later when these same subbies came to this building company to claim their attentions. And I happened to be the silly mug that was there trying to pick up the pieces. And I would see um, these subbies saying, hey, we're ready for our end of DLP retention, where is it? And I'd go into the finance system and I'd say, look, you've had all of your retention released already. I'm not sure what you got going on here. And then they, when we actually went back through the paper trail, I was able to reverse engineer what had happened and I was able to work out that these CAs had been releasing retention. Now, the reason this is the most sinister one that you need to keep an eye on is because this tells you that the CA is not telling his boss. So you are not dealing with the builder in this moment. You are dealing with a staffer who has made a mistake, who is not willing to tell the truth. And they're going to doctor and tweak and um, amend documents. I won't say forged documents. It's not, it wasn't forgery. It was, it was a case of these guys trying to manipulate the data so that they didn't look like they were doing anything wrong. Um, so internally in a building company, what happens is every month there's a um, cost reporting meeting. And so all of the contracts administrators have to actually put cost reports into their construction managers. And one of the things that doesn't show up as an additional cost in some particular finance systems and well-known finance systems is retention that's being released. So they'll see um, a difference in margin. So they'll see a difference if there's variations logged, IVs logged, they'll see a difference in that. Um, so the overall contract sum doesn't change, but the bottom line, it does not show up if they release retention rather than pay variations. So these guys were very clever. They knew exactly what they were doing and they were being um, dishonest to their boss. And the actual builder, like the guy who you hope to have the relationship, Mr. Builder himself, had no idea this was happening until a year later. And when it did come to light, um, this particular builder came to the party and paid with his own money. And it was really distressing for everybody afoot. And the, um, the subcontractors who were involved, I think, were really emotionally caught up in the whole situation as well. But this all could have been avoided if the CAs or the, the 
subcontractors at the time had been looking at their payment schedules and going, hang on a second, why am I getting retention for the value of my varies? This is dodgy. And then gone back to the CA. Now, another one you want to keep an eye on is if you've got a builder who starts asking you to invoice two different companies. So uh, look, this is going to feel creepy when it happens, but it does happen. And it's if a builder has got an issue with the finances in one building company is trying to set up another company to sort of sail into the sunset and just needs to get out of town without being witch hunted. Oftentimes the builder will set up another little company that'll have some money in it and they might start asking you to invoice two different entities. But if you are, have a builder who is asking you to invoice a different job that has a different principle and it's in the same building company, you need to be very careful because what will inevitably happen is you might stick that amount on a payment claim and if the builder doesn't pay you and you get six months down the track and you end up needing to take an adjudication, you might have an invalid payment claim because you've claimed an amount under two different construction contracts. So uh, that can be a little bit of a loophole as well for the builder. Now, I don't think the builders are clever enough to know what they're doing there, but I've seen it happen before where people have been in adjudication and they've been kicked out of adjudication because they've got amounts on their payment claim that belong to other jobs. The other thing to note is that you are not being honest about the work that you're carrying out and where you carried it out and who you're claiming it from. So if you've got knowledge that that's actually going up to someone else's principal and, you know, or it's becoming part of a, a, an expense on another job, um, those things just don't marry up from a values perspective as well. And you can end up having to do some really difficult explaining. And if you do end up in adjudication and you are trying to fight for your money and you've done something like that, it can undermine your credibility. If you have to tell that story to an adjudicator, they might not trust you as much after they hear the story. So if that's not enough to spook you into reading your payment schedules, I'm not sure what else I can possibly say to you. I could go on for hours with stories about these things, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. I really just want to give you guys a few little takeaway tips on what to look for uh, to keep you out of trouble. Uh, one of the things that you really should be thinking about with these payment schedules is that you have a window into the builder's cash flow picture in terms of looking at the different strategies they're using and the conduct and the wording and the way the people are behaving. And if you pay attention, it will tell a story over the life of a job. Normally at the start of the job, everyone's really friendly and everyone wants to get along and everyone's really excited about breaking ground. And I know I used to do it myself. I used to go around to the service trades and say, hey, make sure you stick your progress claim in. And we'd have Sparkies who would stick in a progress claim for two grand for temp power. And I'd be like, what? You can't you can't bankroll your job on two grand. You need to stick in one for 10 and we'd all be mates and we get it over the line for them. But certainly when the pressure clamps down and all the trade lettings have to be done and the builders coming to the reality of what the budget actually is and how they're going to build this building for the budget that they've been given, then things will get much tighter and you guys need to be the ones to pay attention because ultimately you're getting messages from the other side. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies Toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au.
Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkers farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade.